0: for any intuitive type, there can be sort of this uh, difficulty with monotony and routine, but especially for our ENFPs or ENTPs, there's having to do the same thing over again, the same way day after day. Like, you know, some people thrive in a nine to five job. That's the same every day. Like you stick an ISTJ and ISFJ in a nine to five where they're doing the same thing day after day. That's their zone. They're like, I got this. I've been doing this for five years. I know what I'm doing. I'm so comfortable. You put an ENFP in there And they're going to be like hating themselves. Has to be novel every day. So it's like, you know, if you can set up your life for those preferred functions, you'll just be so much more rejuvenated.
1: You're listening to Mom After Hours, a podcast where we talk about the wins and challenges of being a modern mom. For real, we don't sugarcoat, and we cover everything that is taboo. And don't you worry, Mama, we save the soup for you. Welcome to Mom After Hours. It's your host, Brandy Wyattrack. And today we're talking about all that fun stuff personality tests and getting to know yourself so that you can be a better parent, be a better wife, be a better friend. It may have been many moons ago where we were taking those personality tests in YM, Cosmo, and 17. All those funny things like what is your spirit animal, what kind of lover are you, and all of those funky kind of quizzes. Well, today we're talking about one of the most popular personality tests out on the scene, the Myers-Briggs type indicator. So Myers-Briggs is a bit different than an Enneagram test for those who are Enneagrammers. The Enneagram is based on how you deal with trauma, whereas the Myers-Briggs test assesses how you judge and perceive the world. Based on the psychiatrist and psychoanalyst Carl Jung's theories, the Myers-Briggs personality test is a robust tool that helps you better understand yourself and how to navigate your relationships, parenting, and even your mental health. So in this episode, I talk with Myers-Briggs expert and co-host of Family Personalities podcast, Sandra Etherington, about what the Myers-Briggs personality test is all about, the different dichotomies, and how knowing your Myers-Briggs personality type can help you thrive in work in life. It's not a must, but I do highly recommend taking the Myers-Briggs personality test in advance of the episode. If you don't, it's fine. You'll still t- have some takeaways. But if you do get 10 minutes, go to truity.com, T-R-U-I-T-Y.com. You can take the test there for free or even better, if you have the resources or the time, talk with a Myers-Briggs expert like Sandra to make sense of yourself and the others around you. And I'm so excited, girl, we talked for so long. So I am gonna just jump right in so we can learn some things about ourselves. All right, you ready? Let's hit it. For our listeners who aren't familiar with the Myers-Briggs personality test, can you share a little bit about what it is and why it's so helpful? Yeah, so the Myers-Briggs personality test,
0: for those who aren't familiar, it's the one that's denoted where the, each type is denoted by four letters. So for example, my type is INFJ. It basically it measures our natural preferences in the world toward how we take in information and how we make decisions. And it's a lot of people think it, you know, when they think of personality type tests, they think of like measuring how good you are at something or your skills. And Marys Briggs isn't about that. It's really about what's your natural way that you prefer to show up in the world. And so it measures basically those four facets. So for, you know, I'm an INFJ, which stands for introversion, intuition, feeling, and judging. And each of those letters has an opposite pair. So the first one is introversion versus extroversion. The second one is intuition versus sensing. The third one is thinking versus feeling. And the last one is judging versus
1: perceiving. That is so cool. So I learned a little bit about it in my early 20s. And then I became super fascinated and made my whole family and crew of friends take the test so that (laughs) I'm like, to me, I'm really into personality tests, astrology, all that kind of stuff. So to me, anything where I can learn more about myself and about others and how to interact better with people. I think that that's just super cool. Yeah. And you find it a lot in the business world and the corporate world, you know, to
0: help with teamwork. So understanding like, this is how I show up and this is how my coworker shows up. And here's how that's the same. Here's how that's different and what we each bring to the table, right? To be able to understand our differences and work together better. And I really wanted to bring it into the family setting because I found so much personal help in it in understanding my relationships before I even had kids and understanding, you know, with my husband, um, with my own parents, with my friends. And then when I had kids, I just naturally started to wonder, Do they have a personality type? And like, when does that show up? And, you know, ultimately did the research and eventually, you know, got the training and whatnot. But being able to understand my kids type and how they show up in the world has just been so insightful. And then for us to all function as a family by understanding each other better is invaluable.
1: I love that. So for your own children, do you use like the original test or is there like a special version for kids or mm-hmm. it's just once they got old enough, you're like, okay, I can ask them these kind of questions.
0: Yeah. So I have a, a, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't like the assessments. They aren't very accurate, especially like any random online quiz you'd find. It can be like a really fun place to start. But when you look into the data, they're wrong Much of the time. In fact, even the official Myers Briggs Company assessment, which has decades and decades of iterations around it, is only 80% accurate for each of the four letter pairings. And so then when you put all those four together, it's only about 50 something percent accurate to be able to get all four of your letters correct. And that's like the best one out there. So think about it when you go find like an online free quiz it's going to be even less accurate than that. Yeah. A lot of people go around thinking they're a certain type because they got a result on a quiz. And it's like, maybe rethink that a little bit or you need to look a little more deeply into it to really make sure that you
1: get typed correctly. Yeah. So that's funny because it's funny you mentioned that because I, for most of my life, I tested as the ENFJ. And then Mm -hmm. like the tests that I've taken and I can't, I mean, it wasn't like a janky, like, like five question one. Like, I feel like it was a decent rub, like a robust kind of test, but you know, mm. like you said, there's so many out there, but I was like an ENFJ for a long time. And then I, now I test as an ENFP mm. and I'm like, I wonder if I changed with age or did I just have a shitty, <laughs> a shitty quiz or whatnot that I was using? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And so our type is actually inborn and it stays the same through our life. But that doesn't mean, of course, that we don't change as people. It just means that those preferences don't change. And so kind of like what I like to compare it to is being right-handed or left-handed. Like when you, are you right-handed or are you left-handed? I'm left-handed. So like when you first grabbed that crayon, when you were little, you grabbed for it with your left hand, right? And your whole life you've been reaching with your left hand. And that's been the one you've been using, but let's say you broke your left hand. You could probably learn to use your right hand, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. But it would just be, what would it feel like if you had to it use your It would just feel right sort of awkward. It wouldn't look pretty, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like I could adapt to anything, but it would probably get better with time. But that's why yeah. I was wondering, I'm like, Hmm, I wonder if it's just, I d- didn't or maybe I've always been an ENFJ, and then I just, maybe they tweak the quiz or whatnot. But yeah, I don't want to well, keep saying all these acronyms for those who aren't familiar. Mm-hmm. So can we kind of talk about, so you mentioned the introversion versus the extroversion, sensing, intuition. Mm-hmm can we kind of talk a little bit about those different categories that the tests typically place you in and like, what's the difference between those pairs?
0: Yeah. So for introversion, extroversion, I mean, that's the one that people are most familiar with. Right. Um, But, you know, sometimes people have like a little bit of a misunderstanding around it. Maybe they think introvert means shy and extrovert means social, whereas you can prefer, you can have a preference for introversion and Myers-Briggs and still be quite social and you can have a preference for extroversion and not feel very social and uh, maybe be a little more, have like some social anxiety or whatever. So what it really is, do you prefer to spend time and get more energy from spending time in your inner world of thoughts, ideas, reflection, and that would be introversion, or do you overall prefer to spend your time and get energy from spending time in your outer world, which can be with people. It can be a social thing, which it is for many people who prefer extroversion, Or it can be like engaged in activities or engaged in the environment around you, coming out to explore that world around you. And again, like coming back to when we're talking about right-handed, left-handed, all of us can do both of these things. Like we can both, we can all use our left hand. We can all use our right hand, but we have one that's more natural to us that we tend to gravitate towards. And it's the same with introversion, extroversion. It's the same with all the letters. We can all introvert. We can all extrovert, but we just have one that's more natural and that's going to fill our bucket. That's going to give us energy. Whereas when we're trying to do the opposite one, it's going to be a little more awkward, a little more frustrating, a little more exhausting,
1: especially if we have to do it all day, every day. That's really cool. So what is like for sensing or intuition? Obviously, that kind of seems obvious, like you typically go with your senses or you go with your intuition. Yeah, it's a little more nuanced
0: than that. So sensing and intuition is kind of how you take in information from the world. And so sensors tend to focus on the information that can be gleaned from the five senses. So what can I taste, see, smell and hear? They're more practical, they're more detail oriented, and then people who are on the more intuition side, it's more about the the big picture and the meanings and the connections between the, th- the different like facts and ideas. So a lot of people will say, you know, sensors see the trees, whereas intuition users see the forest. So it's like a zooming in versus a zooming out. I never looked at it in that way. So, and and then for thinking or feeling. Yeah. So that one, you know, a, really you have to erase what you think of the definition of the word thinking and the definition definition of the word feeling is because it's not that thinkers are the only ones who are smart or like able to, you know, use logic and, and think. And it's not that feelers are emotion like emotional and, and and that you can't, it's what it is, is it's looking at how you make decisions. And so feelers, they tend to step into a situation emotionally when they're making a decision, either taking their own values and feelings into account or other people's values and feelings into account when they're making a decision about something. Whereas thinkers, they tend to be more comfortable stepping out of a situation emotionally because they feel like the emotions and trying to take other people's feelings and their own feelings into account muddies up the waters and it's hard to make a good decision that way. And so they want to leave that out of it and focus only on the objective, logical
1: data yeah the feelings describe me to a t <laughs> <laughs> okay I'm definitely a feeler and it's so funny because what as I edit this podcast and when I talk to people I say I feel Feel a lot, and I'm like, mm. oh my gosh, I say that so much. I'm like, I'm a total feeler, and sometimes I like try to like stop myself because I'm like, gosh, Brandy, stop saying I feel. Just say what you feel. Um, <laughs> but it's it's hilarious because I'll catch myself now, now that I listen to myself over and over at it. Oh podcast. gosh, and, I'm, and then you I, hear these words that you say. My gosh, I say that all the time.
0: <laughs> I know. As a fellow podcaster, I've made many discoveries about myself. I was talking recently. The discovery that I made about myself is that I laugh conversationally. So, like, I'll laugh even when something's not
1: funny just to, like, fill a silence.
0: Me too.
1: (laughs) Me too. It's, like, a nervous laughter where I'm just, like, I can't handle silence. I don't know if it's just it makes me anxious, like... Uh, are uh, are they about to say something, or should I say something, or are they going to be nervous because I'm not saying anything? Or but you know, like I start like overthinking. So then, yeah. yes, having a lull in a conversation causes me stress. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the I think the last pair is judging or perceiving. Can you break mm-hmm. that one down for us? Yeah. So that one is about
0: how we approach our outer world and sort of getting things done, and. On the judging side, and again, erase the definitions that you have in your head of what these words normally mean. Judging doesn't mean if you prefer judging, it doesn't mean you're judgmental. Anyone on either side can be judgmental. (laughs) But judging just means that you prefer to control your outer world through planning, structure, and deciding. Whereas people prefer perceiving, they prefer to take the world as it comes to them by staying open and flexible
1: and being spontaneous. Okay, well, it makes sense why my flips because I feel like in my personal life, I'm definitely a perceiving more spontaneous kind of person. But when it comes mm. to my work... I'm more of a judging. Mm. Like, I have to have a plan. I'm very type A about my work, but with my Mm -hmm. personal life, I'm very loosey goosey go with the flow. So it's like I have two different personalities. Mm -hmm. I definitely have a work personality, and then I have like my real life personality. (laughs) I mean, I still have my playfulness and my person where I'm enthusiastic and social and all that stuff. But when it comes to getting work done, I'm definitely more of the got to have a plan. Yeah.
0: And it can be hard to sort some of these out because, again, you know, we use them all like we're, we're, we're multidimensional hu- human beings. It's not like we only do one thing or the other. And that's a misconception of Myers-Briggs is that you, ha- you have to do only one or the other, but the, a lot of times the way to, to sort it out is to figure out like, what's the natural you and what's the one that you stretched and had to work on in your life to incorporate it. Um, and so kind of removing those layers. And a lot of times also with judging, perceiving is a really good example of it. We've been taught since a young age that judging is the right way to be in most cases, maybe in your, in certain families, it's different, but there are more people who prefer judging than perceiving in the world. So that's one reason for it. And then also in, in school, school is a very like judging environment. Like there's deadlines and there's like a structure to how we do things in your workplace. It's going to be a very judging environment too. And so a lot of perceivers might've received the message that they don't show up in the world the correct way and they may have worked really hard on their judging side. And sometimes it can be hard to separate that out. What is this part of me that I'm putting on for the world to be able to fit in and get along in the world? And what is the natural me that I would show up if I didn't have those expectations?
1: Hmm. You're making me think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm like what they call, what do they say? Ambivert, where I think naturally I'm introverted and most people wouldn't even believe that because Mm. I do need recovery time when I'm around a lot of people. I'm still at the same time social. So sometimes I battle with that, like even when I don't want to be social or I don't want to be playful. I feel like I have to because everybody's expecting me to be that way, mm-hmm. even though I might just want to be, like, in my room with a book, with my door closed, with my phone turned off, and everybody just, like, leave me alone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's so weird because people, yeah. I mean, I guess the people who know you really well know both of those personalities, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, the different, your different nuances and stuff. But yeah, Yeah. this is interesting. Interesting. So you covered some of those different letters. So when people take that test, then it'll look at kind of, I guess, like you said, we can always be that way in some form, but it's kind of like, which one are you more comfortable with? So with that test, Mm -hmm. it'll take one letter from each of those categories Mm -hmm. and then it produces this four letter test result. So what, what, like, what test would you recommend that they take? So for people out there who haven't taken this Myers-Briggs yet. So if you guys are listening and you have, you do (laughs) not know your Myers-Briggs, I'm not going to hate you if you pause the episode and take 10 or 15 minutes and take the quiz so that when we're talking about this, it'll make even more sense to you. But what test would you recommend, um, Sandra, for people to, um, to take that test or like what site?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's not what people want to hear, but I wouldn't recommend taking it. What, <laughs> what I recommend is uh, either working with think? someone who understands the model and can help you type yourself or doing the research yourself into the model. If you really want to get accurate, if you are just like, please, I really just want to take a quiz. Sandra. will you just give me something? Okay, fine. Go to like truity.com or something. Um, and,
1: and then, what and is see it what you Trudy? get, but Truity, T-R-U-I-T-Y.com. Knowing this test can help you, you know, with how you like you were mentioning earlier, how you interact with your family, how you interact with people at work. Maybe if you're at work and you experience struggles and, you know, maybe there's certain coworkers, it's they're hard to work with, or bosses, or maybe you've just had some traumatic work situations. Taking this kind of test and and especially in the workplace, like if you can learn more about the personality types of the people that you're working with, you'll know how to approach them better so that you can have a more fruitful, positive relationship. And don't we all want positive relationships? (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) Drama sucks. (laughs) So the more we can learn about ourselves and each other, that brings harmony.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you can visit my website, familypersonalities.com um, and just hit services. And I, I do work with people to help type them. But if you do take an online quiz, which I know everyone's going to because I would too, um, <laughs> just <laughs> please don't be married to that result. Because we are so nuanced as human beings, a forced choice questionnaire just can't get it who you are. There's too many, like, you know, as you were talking about the introversion, extroversion. There's like, I really want to connect with people, but then other times I don't. And there's just too many like exceptions and, um, nuanced experiences that you really need to tease out to really get to the core of who you are.
1: Visit that website, visit her website, <laughs> y'all. She'll hook you up. You may, those relationships, come on, especially now with I mean, not just now, but with all the stuff that's happened within the past year and people truly, you know, not being able to connect with people. And then now that you're finally coming together and you're coming to parties and everybody's meeting up. I feel like so many people are starved for connection, but then some of them are, you know, like they want it, but with their personality type and how they are, they're still like hesitant. Like, I just feel like having, knowing your personality type with Myers-Briggs and learning more about that, I feel like it'll just make all of your relationships stronger. Yeah, it certainly has for me. So. What categories or dimensions of we can use my personality type or yours or just in general? How does that help you to maintain your mental health or just like help you overall, like know what makes you click and how to keep yourself healthy? Yeah.
0: So the lens that I tend to look, at it through is that same thing we were talking about with being right-handed or left-handed with one of those preference pairs being more comfortable and more natural and filling our bucket versus the other one being more draining and tiring and frustrating and just like emptying our bucket. And when you can recognize what those are, and there's actually a deeper level of Myers-Briggs calls the cognitive functions. And that's where I really base a lot of my work, Um, but it's, it's another level. And we only have so much time on this podcast. So I'll just (laughs) kind of stick to the preferences but it's about really honing in on what those are and making sure that you get an adequate amount of time to spend in that part of yourself, to keep yourself well-resourced because we do need to be able to stretch to the other side. Like let's take, for example sensing versus intuition. Like we're talking about how people prefer sensing. They prefer to take in information and deal with information that is more like about details and facts and practical applications. Whereas people prefer intuition, they tend to prefer meanings, ideas, theories. We need to be able to do both those things, especially like you show up at work, you're probably going to have to be able to look at the long range vision for the company, as well as you're going to have to like practically do the work and like get things going. And maybe you have a job that does more one or the other. But to be able to stretch to that other side that's less comfortable for ourselves, we have to first be well-resourced. And the best way to be well-resourced is to make sure you get adequate time in your life to be in your most comfortable space. And I can give an example. You want me to give an example of myself? Yeah, i love that. So as as someone with INFJ preferences, um, so that's introversion, intuition, feeling, judging, the function that my type leads with is something called introverted intuition. And this is where we're getting into the cognitive functions. You don't have to really understand what those are to be able to understand this example. But it's basically, it's an intuition function that I lead with. And it's one that also is introverted facing. So it's an it's an inward function that I have to be alone. I have to have quiet time to be able to use. And people who use this function, both INFJs, INTJs, it's our main function. We need a lot of alone and quiet time for this function to work. It's all about going inside and observing patterns and ideas to be able to come to a conclusion about something. It can be like an insight for the future. It can be how to solve a problem. It can be how to understand how I feel about something. And this process has to complete from end to end for me to be able to fill my bucket. And when I when I had my kids, I became a stay-at-home mom right off the bat. And I didn't understand this about myself at the time. And when you're a stay-at-home mom, your life all day long and all night long, especially when they're little, <laughs> is yeah. about being in the moment and the outside world and the physical world and taking care of all the practical physical things that need to be taken care of. You're changing diapers, you're preparing food, you're cleaning up, you're breastfeeding, you're whatever. It's all like having to be in that world outside of yourself. And there's interruptions, there's things you have to be flexible for. um, And it's just never ending. And I didn't get any of that time I needed to go inward and have that quiet alone time to, you know, think and reflect and uh, be creative. That's part of what fills my bucket. And I became, I was in a very, very mentally unhealthy place because I wasn't getting that time. And so understanding that about myself and being able to adjust our life so that I could work that time in has been really instrumental in coming out of a lot of the postpartum depression and whatnot that I experienced.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I I kind of struggled with that same thing to have that human being with you 24 seven and not have that time to mm-hmm. disconnect even just zoning out. I'm getting, I'm telling you what, Brandy, I'm getting some INFJ vibes from you. Really? I, I know. That. Cause <laughs> when you're talking about yours, I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm an INFJ. <laughs> like Maybe I'm not an ENFJ. Like when I take those tests, it's like you said, you need to talk to somebody about it. Cause when you take the tests, I'm like, well, yeah, I'm extroverted. Like I like to be around people and I'm playful. And I would say that I'm kind of like an entertainer and I'm a jokester. I'm definitely mm-hmm. the ham of my siblings and her family. Like I'm, I'm always the one like cracking jokes and goofing off and being sarcastic and just being a cheese ball. But that's not me a hundred percent. Like most of the time I am quiet Mm-hmm. I, and I'm, in, I'm in a grocery store. I really want to say hi to someone and talk to them. But at the same time, like I'll be mumbling because I'm still kind of shy. I'm still like that geeky little girl with glasses in the fifth grade. And um, they're <laughs> like, wait, what are you saying? And I'm like, Ugh. and they're like, Oh my God, speak up. Why? Why? You, I know you're not shy. And I'm like, Ugh. and I'm thinking, well, I actually kind of am shy, but, <laughs> but I constantly push myself out there and make myself uncomfortable because I really do like connecting with people. Yeah. Like and I, I still I said, get nervous doing the in- interviews with people and people would oh be yeah. like, what? You, you would get nervous, Brandy. You like go on stages and you talk mm-hmm. and you don't care. And I'm like, oh no, I get nervous. I still get That's like a facade. stomach ache before it, <laughs> but I still enjoy it when I'm actually talking to the person, but I still get hella nervous. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know,
0: ISFJs and INFJs in particular often get mistyped as extroverts. Um, And, you know, I was just talking about the cognitive functions and then there's that main one, that introvert intuition. But the second one that INFJs and, and ISFJs also use is called extroverted feeling. And so that's like our backup function. It's only where we go when we're ready to be extroverted, but it's about connection with people. And so we still have that as a big need of ours to connect with other people. And so that's why a lot of times we can be mistaken for extroverts
1: overall. Ooh, See, you solved my dilemma. <laughs> I am an introvert. <laughs> so might how you might be, I, I, I know that I, I feel like I am when I read, like you read, you dig this test and then there's, you know, the other test out there. And they're like, if you need to recover after being around a lot of people, or having a big project or whatever like you're you're typically introverted they say like mm-hmm. oh, like to me I'm like I have to have like if I have to be around people for 2 or 3 days like say I had plans with different family members after work or friends I can't hate do it for more than 2 or 3 days in a week and not because I'm exhausted but more mentally exhausted like okay I need to have time built in for quietness where I'm just reading my book and I'm by myself and my husband used to get like, like offended. Like it hurt his feelings. Like early on in our marriage, or like when we were first dating, when I would just, I would just go upstairs in the room, close the door, and read my book, and he'd think that I'd be upset with him because I just like disappeared. I'm like, no, I just. I'm like, I've been around people all day. I just need this time by myself. This is how I re-energize. A lot of people re-energize by being around other people and, you know, being around people that kind of lift them up and they have that energy and, you know, how they kind of like will zap some of that energy. I re-energize by not doing anything and not being around anybody. (laughs)
0: Yes. Yes. I have. I actually, my, uh, I often my husband, when he's coming to find me in the evening, has to go find me in the guest room because it's the place the kids are least likely to be. And it's furthest away from the noise of his television. (laughs) It's just (laughs) like my little cave. the End of the day, you know where you can find mom. She's in the guest room by herself, not talking to
1: anyone. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Mine is either I hide out in her bedroom or if they're upstairs, because, you know, my daughter's room and my um, sons' rooms off our room or whatever. And sometimes I'll go in there and play video games or do whatever, whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I'll have to hide in the bathroom, just like most moms. And I'll just (laughs) sit in there on the floor in my bathroom, reading my magazine. And my husband's like, what are you doing in here? You're like sitting on the floor, reading a magazine with a face mask or whatever. And I'm like, because it's quiet in here. And if you guys see me on the bed, then you guys all are going to come in here and start talking to me. And he's like, do you like hate me or something? (laughs) I'm like, no, I just want to be by myself. (laughs) Yeah, no, that is so funny. So, so with regards to the mental health, like what are some things that you would recommend? Like, so if there's certain people like that are, so you and I are pretty much the same kind of sign. It seems the ENFJ INFJ, but for somebody who's the opposite of us, Mm -hmm. like what are some things that you would recommend that they would do to maintain their mental health or what things are they typically drawn to that maybe they don't really realize they need, but after talking to you or taking this kind of test, they could see that, Hey, this is something I got to focus on that could really help me.
0: Yeah, so one of the others, I you know, I kind of prepared a few examples here, but since you had said you were now testing as an ENFP, I kind of thought up um, some scenarios for ENFPs, okay. and it's similar because it's still that um, intuition, but ENFPs use a, like a different type of intuition, and it's it's more extroverted, obviously, because they're extroverts, and it's more about like there has to be this constant um, for them to fill their bucket. There has to be this constant. Uh, interaction with ideas. So like for, for myself, the type of intuition that I use, it's a very internal process. For ENFPs, it's a very external process. And it's about uh, either exchanging ideas with other people um, or directly experiencing something to be able to get the, to be able to test their ideas and their theories in the real world. And so, you know, an ENFP might they, they tend to have a really hard time with, like I was saying, you know, my hard time in early parenthood was with all the physical outside practical tasks that I had to do that brought me outside of my body and didn't let me go into that world. For ENFPs, it's about exploring new ideas and having new experiences. And so for them, the thing that can be really draining, especially about parenthood is the routine monotony of it all. Yeah. (laughs) Which can also feel, you know, for any intuitive type, there can be sort of this, uh, difficulty with monotony and routine, but especially for our ENFPs or ENTPs, there's, uh, having to do the same thing over again, the same way day after day. Like, you know, some people thrive in a nine to five job. That's the same every day. Like you stick an ISTJ and ISFJ in a nine to five where they're doing the same thing day after day. That's their zone. They're like, I got this. I've been doing this for five years. I know what I'm doing. I'm so comfortable. You put an ENFP in there and they're going to oh, be crazy. like hating themselves. Yeah, no, that makes <laughs> it has sense. New. It has to be novel every day. So it's like, you know, if you can set up your life for those preferred functions, you, you'll just be so much more rejuvenated. And then when you do have to hold a routine for your kids, you do have to do bath time at the same time every night because your kid is you know, close to double digits and they're starting to get really stinky. I'm not speaking from experience here. <laughs> um, you'll be able to do that because you've had the novelty in the rest of your life and you're well resourced to handle it.
1: No, that's a good point. See, you're, you're pointing out that, yeah, if you know your personality type, you know what jobs you can thrive in and what things are really gonna eventually burn you out if you know that you're the kind of person who craves new experiences and like just trying new things then yeah a typical nine to five is not gonna be great like if you're just doing like accounts payable the same exact thing like every day but if you have a job that you know maybe where you where you wear multiple hats like if you're Mm -hmm. a project manager and you're Doing covering multiple projects, or you're creating marketing strategies for different types of products, or you know, whatever. If you have that variety, then that's going to keep you happy at your job. Or you can even apply this, of course, to your family life. If you consider those components of your personality when you are deciding on a job, or marrying someone, or just how do I interact with my child knowing those things is going to make you happier and healthier overall. Because like, obviously, if you know what your strengths are and you know that you can't handle monotony, then you know you're not, you shouldn't be in that kind of job because eventually it's going to burn you out and your mental health is going to suffer. And the same was with your partner. If you have a person who can't understand that you need that quiet time and they're a social butterfly and they want you to go into galas and parties every week and want you to be arm candy, you know, and have a high profile life, and you're not that kind of person well then you know that that relationship might not work if your guys's personality types are at complete opposite ends of the spectrum or maybe your lifestyles wouldn't be compatible. Um,
0: yeah, and you know, it's definitely very insightful to understand your partner and to be able to have compassion for what fills their bucket and what drains their bucket too. And like, you know, I, I actually think it can be great often when two very different types come together. It can be difficult because you have a lot to navigate, but as long as both partners are willing to understand each other, um, you have a lot to teach each other too. And you can help each other out with the things that are harder. You know, like <laughs> those practical physical tasks are harder for intuitives. So the sensing parent can understand that and take care of some of some more of those. Um, whereas maybe the long range planning is harder for one partner than the other. And so one partner can take that on. So, you know, really any two types can do really well together. And I think that, you know, you're more prone to maybe arguments and misunderstandings if you have very different types, but you can also help balance each other out. My husband and I are very similar types. And sometimes I'm like, man, I just wish I'd married someone different from me who could take, pick up some of the slack. Cause we both have the same slack
1: and the slack <laughs> never gets done. <laughs> That's no, that's a good point. I'm glad you put a positive spin to that because my it's yeah, my husband, I would say, I actually don't know his sign off the top of my head or his personality type for Myers Briggs, Mm -hmm. but I would say his is the complete opposite. Except for we are, we both have that social aspect, but he needs to be talking to people and be around people 24 like oh, seven. He doesn't yeah. need that quiet time that I do. And he doesn't understand that. Like he'll, he could go to his friend's house or family member's house every single day after work and be fine. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go anywhere. Like he could go, go, go every day. But I'm like, eh, like, we went somewhere yesterday. No, I don't want to go anywhere today. Like, yep. so there's stuff, def- and there's some things that like, yeah, he's good at getting getting certain stuff done that I might lag on because of uh, for whatever reason. And he will just take action. He won't wait around for, you know, for me to figure my shit out and like dwell on <laughs> like, should I do this or da. And I mean, I guess it depends on what it is. But no you're right. Like they say opposites attract and if you know if you know each other's personality type, you'll know what your strengths are and what their weaknesses are. So you know what things that they should focus on in the relationship that having that skill will you know, benefit your relationship or your lifestyle versus like, if they know that like my husband, he's a social butterfly. He loves planning parties. Like he's Mm -hmm. a total party planner. So some moms, I mean, yes, some moms love it, but some hate doing all that, having Mm -hmm. to figure out the food and the decorations and inviting everyone and just doing all of that stuff. He's like, he's the total woman. Like when it comes to that, like, he's like, (laughs) no, I want to do it. And he loves being like the classroom mom, class parent oh and, great that's nice yeah and for me i'm that's gonna make me sound so bad but yes i'm social but i don't like that kind of stuff <laughs> i don't yeah. like doing the classroom kind of stuff because i feel like i have to do all these like trivial no my god i mean if either more i talk i'm gonna make myself myself sound sound worse i don't like all this small talk like for me i'm, all, oh, I'm always yeah. one of those people that like go deep or go home mm-hmm. like i talk about really deep stuff and it's hard for me to just talk about surfacey stuff. And obviously mm-hmm. when you're in the classrooms and you're around these other ladies and dads and you don't know each other like that, you, everything's got to be very surfacey. So I, yep. I struggle with that. I struggle with being very small talkish.
0: Yeah, I feel you. And there's, you know, I like that. I like the idea of being a class mom to a certain extent, but to me, it would be like a twice a year thing. <laughs> like yeah, I, I did that's it twice. Manageable. I feel really good about that, but I'm not, I don't want to do that on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, no that's totally manageable. So what what things have you learned so you became an expert in this Myers-Briggs stuff? Like how has this helped you parent? Oh, it's just given me like
0: such a deeper understanding for my children and who they are and I I feel like I always feel so dumb when I admit this, but like for some reason I expected that when my kids popped out of me, they would just be like min- miniature versions of me. And like if I just parented them the way that I would have liked to have been parented, then that would be the way that they need to be parented. And my son came out just <laughs> so different from how I was. Um, and actually, we do have a couple of things we share in common personality type-wise that are very close, but um, also a couple of things that are very, very different. And so it was kind of a learning journey that like, oh, the way that I needed to be parented is not the same way that my children need to be parented. And so being able to put a wording to that and have a deeper understanding for that and use a model to explain it has been really, really helpful for me.
1: That's cool. So like, how would you, so I forget you have two children or how many children do you Mm -hmm. have? Yeah, I have an eight-year-old
0: who has INTJ preferences on Myers-Briggs. And then I have a five-year-old, she'll be six very soon here, um, daughter who has
1: ISFP preferences. So do you parent them differently? Based on kind of like if you know that, okay, she's more this and he's more mm-hmm. that, I'm yes going to phrase no. it this way. and Yeah. So like the whole
0: overarching, like my overarching parenting goals and like approaches are the same, but it's the little situational things that we have to deal with very differently. Like my daughter leads with, we've been ca- talking about these functions that we lead with and we've talked been talking a lot about intuition. My daughter leads with a function called introverted feeling. So when she's going to her inner world, she's going into like, how do I feel about this thing that's happening? And it's a very sensitive function (laughs) and it cannot come out and get anything done in the outer world unless it's been addressed first. And so understanding that has really helped. It's still hard because it's a stretch for both my husband and I, especially for my husband. It's still a stretch to be like, you know, we're trying to get ready for school, but something has happened that has made her upset. We can't just be like, okay, but keep doing your things that need to get done and get in the car. And we'll talk about it later. Like the feeling has to be addressed, fully flushed out (laughs) and she has to decide how she feels about it. And then we can progress. And just having an understanding for that makes me a little more patient and get a little less barky when that happens, because I'm like, okay, I know that if I let her flesh out this feeling, then we'll be able to move on. And she's even been able to put that into words for me. Like, you know, I, gosh, I think it was like last summer. So she, she was, you know, just barely had turned five and, um, we were trying to leave on like a little bike ride as a family, you know, her and her training meals or whatever she Mm -hmm. had. And she was upset about something who knows, it was the color of the water bottle that we packed for her or something, you know, that little <laughs> kids get upset about. And yeah. um she started crying. And my first instinct generally as a parent is empathy towards feelings, but it's like to a certain extent, <laughs> you know, like yeah. if you're going to keep like, I've addressed the feeling now, if you're going to keep being upset, then I kind of lose it, especially for trying to get something done or trying to get somewhere. And I was like, Okay, I just need you to like. I don't. I don't remember what words I use, but I was just trying to trying to rush her along, and I was like, I'm getting frustrated that you won't just come, and because we only have so much time until it gets dark or whatever. And she said, "Mom, you know, if you just let me feel it, then I'll be able to do it." And like, she's already. And part of it is me communicating to her what I see in her, what you know. But she's already synthesized that and understood that about herself, and I just love that.
1: That is so awesome. Why wow. she seems so like really with it and like articulate for like a five you said she's five years old
0: yeah wow that's yeah she's pretty
1: good she talks about her
0: feeling and then you know recently i've started talking about personality type with her um specifically the thinking and feeling dichotomy because that one is so strong for her it's her lead function and the difference between her and her brother and her dad who both you have a thinking preference and that's a big source of conflict in our family for her it's when she usually gets her feelings hurt is when that function is being used and so now that she understands, and she even, like, I told her a little bit about it and asked her to, what do you think big brother uses? She was like, oh, thinking <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and then she had a little harder time with, uh, with my husband and identifying which one he uses. But now that she understands it, she'll say like, sometimes data just wants me to, what did she say? She even said it today. I can't remember what wording she used, but like sometimes data just wants me to, um, get on with it and not feel, but it's, I need to feel. I'm
1: like, that's, that's right. So, love, that's I right. love that she says that. No, <laughs> yeah. my husband sounds the same as your husband, because my daughter and my daughter sounds the same as yours. Cause she's, my daughter's only three and a half, but she's very mm-hmm. much a feeler. And she, her feelings get hurt very easily. You mm-hmm. can't raise your voice and I'm not a yeller, but my husband can be. But mm-hmm. even with a certain tone, like she can tell between, you know, all the different tones and body language and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And my husband, even when he's stern with her and he's not yelling, cause so I'm like, stop yelling, please just tell her what you want. And you got to use just simple couple words. You don't need to go on and on. Otherwise you're going to lose her and she's not going to understand. I'm like, just be, you know, nice, but he'll get frustrated. And she just, well, even not just with him, with me too. Like I can just say things maybe with a certain tone because I'm frustrated or like no or whatever. And she immediately mm-hmm. starts crying or she'll yeah. go into a little ball or she'll just run to me and want to hug. And yeah. Yeah. My daughter used to run under the bed and hide.
0: Oh, and someone would raise their voice or even just say no. It was just like, yeah where'd, she'll go hide yeah we'd be hide. like where'd ripley
1: go and i go look for her and she'd be under the bed they're like
0: riker hurt my feelings so i was like oh yeah okay.
1: that's how <laughs> my little girl's the same i'm still trying to teach her about like what it is that she's feeling like oh are your feelings hurt and trying mm-hmm. to like teacher those things. But yeah, it's definitely an adjustment because our all of our personalities are so different. And my husband is definitely less patient than I am. And Mm -hmm. I will take the time. I'm like you where yeah, I'll be nice about it for like the first five, 10 minutes. But it's like if we're about to go somewhere, I'm like, okay, all right. Okay. Got time to (laughs) cut it out. We gotta go. Like then I'm like, okay, if you can't figure it out in five or 10 minutes, mama's mama's gonna end up losing her patience. But But I try to be patient with her, and you know, explaining, no, you can't do that, and this is why, and and just trying to talk in a soft tone because when she knows when you're frustrated with her, and if she senses any kind of frustration directed at her, she's like mm. crying or will hide. So, so yeah, knowing these kind of um, personality traits definitely. Definitely gives you some good insight, but I never knew about those other things that you mentioned, like the cognitive, like the other pieces that are like deeper than the actual personality. Yeah. And
0: what that basically is, is like you're combining the letters together. So like, um, you know, when I, when you combine my daughter's F with her P, then all the, all the types that are F's and P's, they use this function called introverted feeling. And for her, it's her dominant because she's an introvert overall. And then like, when I was talking about the introverted intuition, if you're an N and a J, that's um, all those types that have N and J in their letters use this introverted intuition function, either as their dominant or as their second one, but that is
1: so cool. So what are some other things that you've learned while like studying the Myers-Briggs? Like how, like how, how else can, can this benefit us by taking the time to speak with an expert about these kind of things or taking the test?
0: Yeah. So can I give you another parenting example? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So with my son, you know, we've been talking about thinking, feeling, and he's a, he's a thinking user. And in particular, when you combine the T with the J and, um, then you get a function called efficient thinking. And it's. uh, he's motivated very differently from my daughter. So during COVID, I don't know how how many other moms out there listening or were in this position, but my kids didn't do well with the virtual learning. And so I became a homeschool parent. um, Not, you know, that wasn't my (laughs) original intention was to ever homeschool. That wasn't your dream career? (laughs) It wasn't. I mean, in theory, I like the idea of homeschooling, but like that practical day-to-day piece of it. I just having to interact with my kids all day tough. So, um, I became a homeschool parent for a little while. We did it for a few months and then eventually they got to go back to school and they were motivated very, very differently for school. Um, in the morning, neither of them wanted to do it. Neither of them wanted to come to the table and get their stuff done. And, um, but my son is very rewards-based and very like, let's just get over with as fast as we can to get on to the next thing. So it was, you can't do your tablet until we do learning. And um, maybe there's even like a, you know, when you come over, then you get to have your morning treat or snack or whatever. And so he was able to focus on the goal. And then he would get through his work as quickly as he can and kind of do a messy job of it because he just wanted to get it over with, like, very task, like, finish the task oriented (laughs) to get to what he needed to get to or what he wanted to get to. And then my daughter is who prefers perceiving and, um, you know, all the letters kind of work together, but... For her, it's more about what's happening in the moment. It's not about this future. Like if I told her afterward, you get to do this really fun thing, she can't hold that future idea in her head as well. It's all about the moment. And so for her, we had to go and we had to turn it into make-believe. So like, I don't want to do learning, you know, and I go, oh, I think today it's a puppy school and there's a puppy, there's a puppy teacher and we need a little puppy student to come do puppy school. And then she'd be like, arf. And she oh, comes like so hopping great. over to the table, and that would never have worked for my son. Even at her age, even when he was younger,
1: he would have been like, "I know what you're trying to do, and I still don't <laughs> want to be <do> cool." <laughs> See, I love that. No, that was that's such a cool um example because that's crystal clear of how how you are using their personality type to better improve the way that you interact with your kid and Mm -hmm. like know that we are all different we all have our preferences and how we interact and how we go about life but to know and recognize that your daughters doesn't you know it doesn't think into the future like that but if you make it playful it can make it more enjoyable and I feel like sometimes you know as moms since we're so just burdened with a lot of different things and we've got a lot of stuff on our plate we don't always have the patience to kind of like think through all that stuff. But if, but if we just take a moment to kind of, you know, just think about how your child is, you know, we all know our children, even without the test, you can get a sense of what your child's personality is like. So if your child is, you know, back talking, you are, you know, giving you you know, just not having a good attitude, start talking to them like in silly things and like, oh, yeah, if you don't pipe down, the doggy's going to come get you. And they're like, what are you talking about? The <laughs> doggy's going to come get you. The make believe doggy that's running around in the kitchen, like just throw them <laughs> off, just <laughs> completely throw them off. And they're like, what? And I feel like if you bring kind of like that sense of silliness or just, you know, adapt to their personality and, you know, speak their language, it, it can definitely make, it can make motherhood better. It can make it more fun when you're having those rough moments and stuff. So you mentioned your podcast earlier, Family Mm -hmm. Personalities, Mm -hmm. where you talk about all those cool personality things. What are some of the things that you talk about on your show and what you can teach listeners?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I st- I've started the podcast a little over a year ago, and I started by kind of going through each of those preference pairs. So I went through them for children and I went through them for adults so people can kind of listen and get an idea of what type they think they are, or their kids are. And then we've kind of have progressed into the cognitive functions, which is like that deeper level and really understanding. And then we also try to give practical tips like, <laughs> what does this look like? If you have a kid with this preference, what do they need? How can you help motivate them? Um, And then, you know, sometimes we do fun. I have a a co-host who has INFP preferences, who does it with me. And sometimes we do these fun, why do they do that episodes, where we bring in like an example from our family, or the listeners can send in an example, like, why does my kid, you know, hide under the bed when they're upset, or whatever (laughs) it is. And then we break it apart using personality type. Uh, But it's just, it's kind of a fun, casual way to learn about personality type and help really understand your family on a deeper level.
1: I love that. I could talk all day, every day about that. I'm not an expert, so could I? That's I'm doing it. Like that is so cool. (laughs) That is so cool. So, where can they find you? Where can they find your podcast and connect with you online? Yeah, so Family Personalities on any of the podcast apps, or you can listen to
0: it on my website at familypersonalities.com slash podcast. If you wanna work with me, familypersonalities.com slash services, you can find me on Instagram at familypersonalities and Facebook though. I don't know, I don't really do that much with I hate Facebook. I Facebook,
1: I hear my girlfriend, <laughs> I hear you. I
0: have some downloads on my website that kind of break down the preference pairs and kids. Uh, if you wanna check those out, they're free. And then the most exciting thing right now is that I'm working on, it's not done yet, um, but I'm working on a course, an online course that you can take on your own time to figure out your kid's type. Oh, that's and it, awesome. It's um, still like, it's going to be more cost effective than the one-on-one services. If that's something that you don't have, you know, the time or the the time commitment or the financial commitment for. Um, So definitely follow me if you want that when it comes out.
1: Well, I had a lot of fun talking with you today and I'm definitely going to check out that course when it comes out because I'm all into this stuff. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us about Myers-Briggs. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to Mom After Hours. I know you are a busy mama and every minute counts. If you enjoyed this episode, let me know. Tag me at Mom After Hours on Instagram. Let me know your sign, girl. What are you? Are you an ENFP, ENFJ, INEN, Jibladida? Let me know. <laughs> I'm interested and should I do another episode like this or are you more of an Enneagrammer? DM me or tag me. You know where to find me, Mom After Hours. Until next time, girlfriend. Holla.